I'm Scott. And I'm Melissa. And we are the Sunshine Travelers. Our passion is travel and sharing our experiences with those who enjoy it as much as we do, or those that want to learn more about travel, or even those that just want to live vicariously through our travel stories. No matter where you fall along that journey, get ready to hear firsthand experiences as we visit some of the most interesting and amazing places on Earth. In this episode, we have two guest travelers joining us to talk about one of our bucket list destinations of Alaska that we traveled together on. We'll discover how do you get there, what do you do, and what do you need to pack. Our special guest will help us answer these questions based on our firsthand travel experiences. So pack your bags and let's get started on this journey to Alaska. Melissa and I love sharing our travel experiences with you, and it's even more fun when we can have guests join us that traveled with us on some of these trips. Please join me in welcoming to the show Melissa's sisters, Laura and Stephanie. Hello. Hi. Alaska was on our bucket list of destinations, but when we look back at our old bucket list that was written on the chalkboard wall in our kitchen, it said Alaska Cruise. In this case, though, we did more of a driving trip around Alaska and ended with an epic trip to Denali National Park. And one thing that I wanted to share as we get started as is as we planned for this episode, we sat around together and looked through pictures and videos and laughed and reminisced about things that one of us remembered and others of us said, oh, I forgot all about that. I was just reminded again that when we spend our resources on travel, how much it enriches our lives beyond just that trip. And we have those memories to hold on to forever when things that we would have purchased with those resources would have just been long since forgotten. Yeah, that's that is so true. And, you know, we're all about the experience, not so much the the gift. And we do that a lot with our kids now that they're grown. So let's talk about Alaska. And why was this not a cruise? Because we had it written on our wall, Alaska cruise. So we had a couple of family members who joined us on the trip who could not cruise due to motion issues. So that was really the biggest reason we did not cruise. But also I had had a few friends who had done Alaska on a road trip and just raved about it. And so why Alaska? Why did we do this trip all together? And um, I guess talk about a little bit like who all went and then why we did it all together to Alaska. Um, We went for my 40th birthday surrounding that um, celebration of hitting the big 4-0. And I don't remember exactly why I really just wanted to see Alaska. I can't remember the exact reason or what I saw to trigger that, but it was just this desire to see a part of the country I had never seen before. So we traveled. So it was Laura, me, Stephanie, my husband, Ed, our cousin, Vanessa, and then Melissa, Scott, and their son, Will. So we had seven of us total. And so let's talk a little bit about how we got there and where we started on our road trip. Yeah, because we didn't all go together, the seven of us. So Ed works for Delta Airlines and we fly standby. So we got really lucky and were able to get a direct flight to Anchorage. And we even got first class on the way there, which does not happen nowadays. Um, So that is how Ed and I got there. I had purchased a ticket and so I 
had had a direct flight to Anchorage. And I know that for um, Scott and myself and our son, Will, in this particular trip, we used Delta Sky Miles to purchase the trip. And we actually went through Seattle on the way there. And so, Stephanie, I want to ask you real quick is, so how did you plan for doing this on standby? And did you... Um, Because we obviously were going to start the road trip and had reservations and certain things. So what if you had not gotten on a flight? And and how early, I guess, did you start to make that journey? Sure, that's a great question. So we did start a little bit earlier than than y'all, for example. And we always nowadays put in a little bit of buffer at the beginning of our trip if we don't make our first flight. And we've also figured out there's something called Zetting where we can fly on other airlines. So that gives us a lot of backup options on airlines like Alaskan. Thankfully, we didn't have to use that this trip, but we had a backup to the backup to the backup. Melissa, why didn't we take that? I mean, if they got first class, why didn't we take that direct flight? I really have no idea. Um, I'd have to look back. Probably it had something to do with maybe the number of miles that it took. I know that we did a red eye nonstop back to Atlanta on the way home, but for some reason we did a a one stop and I have a feeling just with three people, it had to do with the number of miles that it took. So let's talk a little bit about how we plan the itinerary, like where all we went, because obviously you can't see all of Alaska, how long we went for and what parts of Alaska we saw. We flew in and out of Anchorage, but didn't really spend a lot of time in Anchorage. We mostly spent time on the road. So we started out in Anchorage and we mostly just flew in and out of there. We didn't spend much time in Anchorage. So we really spent time on the road and we picked two main areas, the Kenai Peninsula and Denali National Park. So we got to see two national parks on this trip, which all of us are nature and national parks lovers. So that really factored into planning the itinerary. So we spent two nights in Homer and then we did three nights in Seward. We stopped for one night in Talkeetna and then we had three nights in Denali National Park and the surrounding area. So a little over a week. I think one of the things, just taking a step back for just a minute, in the introduction, we didn't really give much information about Stephanie, Mm -hmm. but Stephanie is another one of our world travelers. So she's someone that's been all over the world and been to a lot of different countries, um, as well as places across the U.S., And she's very organized in her travel. And I remember when we got the itinerary and it was in a spreadsheet and it was by day and it was, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, we're going to have every second um, (laughs) mapped out on the day. Not, not what ended up happening, but um, she's very organized and putting all this information together. And matter of fact, we've been able to go back to that um, itinerary that she shared with us. And just kind of refresh our memory along the way as well. And talk a little bit about to go to Alaska and have the accommodations that we had. You really do have to start planning in advance. Right. Um, You really do just because there's limited. I think there's limited resources there in Alaska as far as lodging. So we started one year prior or close to one year prior just coming up with ideas and itinerary how we wanted to do the trip. And then by um, October and November of the year. Um, so we went in June and then the prior October, November, we had pretty much everything planned out as far as lodging. Um, just so we knew, cause there was very specific things we wanted to do and places we wanted to go. Um, 
And one of those specific things was staying out in Kantishna at the end of the road in Denali National Park. So there's a few lodges out there. The one we stayed at is called Skyline Lodge, and it's very small. So to be able to book that in advance, we had to to make those reservations really far in advance. And also you have to, or you can, you don't have to. But we opted to fly out there, so we also needed those reservations pretty early. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, like we weren't staying at hotels so we weren't staying at these places that had a hundred rooms and stuff like that. We were staying at very small lodges and cabins, cabins and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But for those listening, are there big hotels that you can stay at in these places? That's a good question. I that think definitely Anchorage yeah. and mm-hmm. on the way. But I would say in places like Seward, Homer, and Denali, there's not a lot of chain hotels that I remember a lot of huge lodges. So that's another reason why you really need to book in advance. And the other thing about Alaska is you have a short um, travel season for most people, right? There for would be a travel. window, the mm-hmm. summer travel season, right? Where the where the weather is really bearable to be able to do a lot of things. I mean, there are other times you can go and see the Northern Lights and some other things, but to do some of the things that we did, um, or that's the that's the popular travel season is during the summer, and that's when you would take Alaskan cruises and and things like that as well. So that's another reason that if you're going to travel during the summer, you have to plan early. And and so a lot of these places that we stayed at weren't big towns; they were small towns, you know, and they didn't have large hotel chains and stuff like that. So staying at these cabins and these small lodges and we even stayed at one hostel um, one night, right? The, this is what was available in these places. And so going back to Laura's point of you have to plan this out well in advance, this is why. So Stephanie, just share so that people might be interested in looking up some of these places and um, putting that on their itinerary. If you just want to share briefly where the places are that we stayed. And then, of course, we can link them in the show notes as well. Sure. So in Anchorage, I think we did stay at a, a chain hotel, um, yeah, I seem to remember like a that Spring Hill well. Suites. Yeah. And there are a lot of tons of hotels. So, you know, you can find your um, where you get points or where you have points. But in Homer, we stayed at a really beautiful cabin. It was called Glacier View Cabins, and it had a great view right from the cabin. In Seward, we stayed at the Alaska Creekside Cabin. And it rained a lot in the first part of our trip. And I remember it was like, it was obviously by a creek given the name, but it was also kind of in these woods. And so it was really peaceful setting with the rain. I think we got some good naps there. And then we stayed at the Talkeetna Wilderness Lodge on the way to Denali. I mentioned the Skyline Lodge already. Um, That was a really special place. All the meals were included there, family style. So we got to meet other travelers there. And then we stayed in the Denali hostel and cabins before going back to Anchorage and flying out. So you mentioned um, getting a good nap there. And this is one of those times where if we could go back in in our time machines and know what we know now about the um, jet lag, the jet lag and using the different tips and techniques, it would have been great because, you know, we did have jet lag. Uh, going to Alaska. And the weather didn't do us any favors on the trip either at the beginning because we were jet lagged and it was dreary and rainy. So very conducive to napping. And if you haven't heard our episode about the jet lag 
tips, then go back and take a listen to that. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And one of the particular memories I have about the Skyline Lodge is we were actually there for the summer solstice, and it was like 12.15 in the morning, and we have a picture of a beautiful rainbow. So I'm going to share a lot of these pictures as well, and we'll put those in a blog post for some of these accommodations, and they'll be on our Instagram page as well, so you can just take a look at some of these cabins and um, the view that we had and just what some of the accommodations are like as well. Yeah, I got a great panoramic view and over on the right hand side of the picture you can kind of see the sun kind of setting it didn't ever really set but it was kind of setting and then on the left side was this beautiful uh, rainbow and that was 12 15 in the morning right Yes. So let's talk about what a typical day was like. And I want to mention, too, that we had seven people. Um, We didn't rent a big van or anything like that. So we did rent two cars um, just to put that out there. We had two cars to get us around. So let's talk about a typical day. And I'd say the two cars was a good idea for a group that size because it allowed us at different times to separate and do different activities. And so During this trip, we had a couple of times where, uh, like, for instance, we wanted to go and do fly fishing with our son. And so we went and did that. And while we were off uh, fly fishing, Stephanie and Laura and uh, Vanessa and Ed went off and um, did their thing. So that's a good good point. We hadn't really talked about that. But, yeah, that's absolutely a good point. So, yeah, and when I plan itineraries, especially with a lot of people, one of the things I try to do is kind of ask people like, what's top of your list? What's top of your list to fit in all the different things people want. But I think dividing and conquering really helped because as much as I love y'all, I wasn't really interested in fly fishing. Um, But you missed the bald eagle. (laughs) (laughs) We did see some others though. We'll get to that in the wildlife section. So I think a typical day we did lots of, eating, which I think we'll get to. Um, We ate really well the whole trip. And that's a guarantee if you travel with me and Ed that you will eat well. We And then we did, I mean, we had a lot of kind of anchor activities that we did. Scott and Mel mentioned some of them, but we had certain things. We had reservations for some big things that we wanted to do. So one example in Homer is we did a really special dinner for Lara for her birthday And we had reservations for that going to the Saltry restaurant at Halibut Cove. And so we knew that we had those reservations. And that was a five-hour dinner cruise that we did. In Seward, there's a lot of different things to do in Seward. And we'll get into those details. But we were really flexible in Seward because of the weather. So that's one thing I would advise is baking some flexibility into your schedule. So even though we had a really detailed itinerary, we were really flexible because you're not going to enjoy some activities if the weather's crappy. And for us at that time of year, we did have some crappy weather. We did. We definitely did. So let's talk about some of the specific things that we did then. Let's just kind of go down through the list of um, what we did in each town and um, what maybe some of us did and what other people did. Kind of the highlights of what people might want to see in each location then. So on the way from Anchorage to Homer, we took a scenic drive along the Turnigan Arm and through the Chugach Mountain Range. 
On a side note, you can also take a railroad. There's a railroad along there, the Alaskan Railroad. So you could do it as a train journey. For us, it wasn't economical to do that. So that's why we drove. But I'm sure that would also be really beautiful. We stopped and did the tram ride at the Alieska Resort and had lunch in the little town there as well. And then our other highlight of that day was stopping at the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center. And it's a sanctuary for injured and orphaned bears, moose, and other animals. It was pouring down rain, but it was still a really amazing stop. One of the things that I remember about the conservation center, too, was that right off the bat, we got to see a lot of the animals that you think, okay, I'm going to Alaska and see those animals. Now, later on, we got to see a lot of those in the wild, but it was almost like, okay, we've seen bears and we've seen some of the moose and we've seen some of those things. So you're not like waiting the whole time hoping that you get to see them, but we did see them in the wild as well. So once we got to Homer, one of our big highlights, and this is where we started to sort of split up and do different things based on people's interests, but Laura, Ed, Will, and I did a float plane tour of the area, and that was that was really amazing to see some of the glaciers, to see Kachemak Bay from the air. One thing I would say for that, do pack your Dramamine if you are motion sensitive. Ed did not, and we got to watch sweat beat up on his neck. (laughs) But even then, he said it it was still worth it, even though he was feeling ill from that. So that was definitely a highlight. You can't go to Homer without walking along the Homer Spit, which is right along the bay. There's restaurants, um, and that has the harbor where we took the ferry over to Halibut Cove. Homer also is home to a lot of different art galleries, so spend some time just wandering, looking at the art, doing some shopping, and of course eating. So a couple of the places that we ate were at the Wild Honey Crepery, and we also went to the farmer's market. We like going to farmer's markets. That's a good way to kind of get a local experience. So we had one of our lunches at a farmer's market. And so one of the things that we wanted to do while we were in Homer, our son Will was huge into fishing. And so we wanted to be able to take him fly fishing for salmon while we were there. But unfortunately, this particular June, they just weren't having a very good season. So we'd organized it with a guide um, and he did his very best. Instead of fishing on a river, we ended up fishing in a little bay, I guess it was. Well, they had closed the rivers to fishing um, because the spawn uh, was a little bit delayed or something like that. And so the numbers inside the rivers were, were not high enough. And so, you know, once again, best laid plans, there's nothing you can do about that if the government closes those rivers and streams down. But he did take us to a, a bay where there were some fish inside there and... Um, we got to do some some fly fishing, and that's where we got the up-close, firsthand experience with the bald eagle. Yes, yeah, so the guy's little helper guy was supposed to be like on point, like watching the fish. Scott was the only one who caught a fish, and somehow I ended up on the bank, and, yeah. and we are supposed what, to— That's what they told us to do is, as we caught the fish— you put it up on the bank and um, 
the little helper guy was supposed to watch your fish and and do different things. Well, he got caught up in watching something else or I don't know what he was doing, taking a break. So we got to watch a bald eagle enjoy that salmon. Yeah. So that was a up the, close and personal bald eagle experience for and us. It was a king salmon too. And so like you were limited to the number of those that you could catch. And so I was only allowed to have one, but the bald eagle came and took my salmon away. So there again, our, our travel memories. All right. So let's keep going on the trip. So Homer, anything else about Homer? One of the highlights in Homer was, um, Going over, what we did was we took a five-hour dinner cruise over to Halibut Cove. It's a small community um, where you have to take a boat over from Homer. We ate at a restaurant called The Saltry. So it was a really unique experience and just another um, neat experience we had in Homer. And that was a recommendation from one of my friends who grew up going to Alaska. Her family had... Um, a house on Kenai Peninsula. So that was, I don't know that we would have known about that except for um, my friend Megan telling us that. So so recommendations. And so we'll we'll link that for you. And that one, you said you had to make reservations planned pretty far in advance, right? To we book did, that yes. To ferry and mm-hmm. have the dinner. It's the cutest little town. Again, little art galleries. And, and you're just, I mean, when you think about it and you're somewhere like that, you've taken a boat and you've driven and you've, you're far, way out, way way out way in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we saw otters in the water. Yeah. Just the ferry itself was kind of older and unique. As we were looking at pictures last night and just kind of reminiscing about this trip, we all noticed that we had these pictures of this otter uh, out in the water and he was kind of playing and, you know, um, interacting with us, you know, as we were on the boat. And so that was really cool. We also found pictures of the food at the Saltry. So it was that good that we took pictures of the food. So we reminisced about the different seafood dishes we had. Yes. So, so we'll definitely put, yeah, that's a great point. So we'll definitely put um, that link and then also um, where you can find some pictures, a link to where you can find some pictures of what we had to eat. Octopus. Octopus. So, octopus. <laughs> so um, on from Homer, we continued on to where? We went to Seward. So we were in Seward for three nights, and that was the longest that we stayed in one accommodation. So we really had a, um, a good base there in Seward. And this is where we really needed that patience and flexibility because the weather was not in our favor. So one of the things that we had booked as a highlight that you really can't miss in Homer is doing a tour of the national park, the Kenai Fjords National Park, where you can go out and get up close and personal to the glaciers and icebergs. So since that was a highlight, I think we had it booked on our first day, but they canceled all the tours that day because the seas were so rough. It was so rainy. So we, the decision was made for us. We, you know, we couldn't go. Um, so we pivoted. And one of the other things on our list that you really can't miss, and it's a good rainy day highlight too, is the Alaska Sea Life Center. So that features local wildlife like puffins, sea otters, seals, sea lions. There's a tidal pool where you can touch the urchins, the anemone, the starfish, and coral. So that would definitely be a highlight for kids. And then there, so we actually did the, just the tour on our own in the morning, took a break for lunch, 
And then we came back and we had reservations for a behind the scenes tour because they also have a research, rescue, and rehabilitation center. So we got to go and see some of their labs and meet some of the animals that had been rescued. And that was a really neat uh, experience, especially if you're if you have science nerds among us, which we definitely do. And that was also in that break, we took the opportunity to get the appropriate clothing as well. Yes, we did. So we... The rain continued even the day we were, I think the second day we were able to go on that national park tour that I mentioned. I believe it was the second day. And, but it was still rainy and a little bit, still rainy, still rough seas, but we did. We went to some local shops. We got some rain pants. Ed still wears his all the time. Best souvenir ever. Mel, I think you also. I have mine. I have my Helly Hansen rain jacket. I had my rain boots up until just recently because I had brought like two pairs of shoes, like a pair of flip-flops and (laughs) I don't know why, and a pair of like hiking shoes. So I definitely had to have some extra. I bought the extra tough shoes. So we were in a lot better shape on that tour than a lot of people because we took Dramamine that day because the seas were still really rough. So we enjoyed our tour. We had some wildlife viewing things like whales, seals, and puffins. It was a long tour. It was like six hours long. They fed you lunch. But I think the highlight for all of us was seeing the glaciers and the icebergs up close and personal. It's just magical. There's not many places in the world that you can see that. Um, And a lot of our group, it was the first time seeing glaciers and icebergs. I remember we stayed kind of in that bay for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, and they were they were watching, hoping that there was going to be like an avalanche of ice um, because there was a few little pieces that would, would fall down. And, and, you know, you've seen, maybe you've seen videos of it before when you have those big ice shelves just fall into the water and how neat that is. But um, I don't think we were able to, to really see that happen. But it was a great, you know, just being there was very magical. Yeah, I think we saw some some smaller ones where the ice was coming off. That was the first time I'd ever seen a glacier and just not expecting the color, um, the blueness of it as well. So that was just, um, I was really glad that we were patient, that we had planned an extra day because if we didn't have enough time in Seward, then we wouldn't have gotten to do that. So that was definitely a highlight. So um, that would be definitely on your list for Seward for sure. Definitely. And you can also visit, so that's part of the national park out that you have to take the boat to, but you can also drive to another part of the national park and do a short hike to exit glacier. So you can hike to that glacier. And then there's also longer hikes as well to the Harding Icefield, which we did not do. We were on more of the leisure tour than the active hiking tour. I would definitely recommend seeing Exit Glacier as well. And we, one of the extra adventures that was somewhat spontaneous, our cousin Vanessa did not do the boat tour with us because she has severe motion issues. So she found a dog sledding adventure because she's a huge dog lover. And she just really enjoyed that and sent pictures of that to us while we were on the boat. And then Ed and Will were so jealous that they did their own later in the day and went, Um, So then we have lots of pictures of them 
with the dogs and they actually got to do the dog sledding. Yeah. And so I think that was just a great way for them to see, like, this was actually a family that raises the dogs, um, you know, for the use there for the Iditarod race and things like that. So we do have some pictures and videos that we'll share. So that was a great experience for them. And one thing I wanted to mention about going to the exit glacier, well, really two things that we saw a lot of bald eagles on the way there. Um, But the other thing was they had the trail, they had done a really good job of showing you like pictures and markers about how the glacier has shrunk over the years. Um, And so that was just a just very educational as well to just look at, you know, what is happening as these glaciers change and and shrink over time. So we ate really well and Seward as well. There was one, the restaurant I mentioned for lunch, we can't remember the name of the place, but we had crab there and it was really delicious. So I'm sure you can look up different seafood places, but a couple of the places we remembered by name, the Seward Brewing Company, not just for the food, but also the local brews Another highlight was the Resurrect Art Coffee House and Gallery, and it was housed in an old Methodist church. And that we went there one morning where it was still rainy, so it was a nice, cozy place to go, get a drink, look around at the art. And then very randomly, there was an amazing Thai place called Woody's Thai Kitchen. I studied abroad in Thailand and love Thai food, so that was surprising to us, but it, that was a, a really good place Um that we all enjoyed Thai food. So, and an interesting note about that place too is um, Kathy, who we talked to on our Antarctica episode. Uh, we mentioned briefly that they are residents of Alaska and have lodges in Alaska, and she's familiar with this same Thai place. So, put that on your list if you're in Seward to definitely look that up. Yeah, and I would also say that uh, the if you like uh, king crab, there's no better place to get king crab than there in Alaska. And so, you know, I remember the crab legs, they were huge. Like they even cut them in half and it was like these big steaks that you would pull out of each side of the the crab legs. If you like crab and you like crab legs, you probably ought to put Alaska on your list of places to go. And so we did one more activity. So the rain cleared. The weather was getting nice, and so we had one more activity before we headed out of Seward. This was a really great experience. We um, kayaked with the Sunny Cove Sea Kayaking Company in Resurrection Bay, and they did double kayaks, so two people in a kayak, um, and then you just got to go out. And I think the nice part was it was just really a nice day, and you could just relax and soak in the sun. And it just was a really good experience. You were on the water, and you could just see beauty all around you. Um, so yeah, it was that was really fun. And I think that's another one we had to move around, right, because of the weather. But we were able to fit it in, and yet another great experience because you're flexible. I think we got really lucky that we were able to do it. The sun finally came out. Well, we saw pictures. Um, you know, we're looking back, and we're like in short sleeve shirts and stuff like that, where it had been really cold, really rainy. And so having a day out on the water like that in those kayaks was just wonderful. So we have lots of things uh, for you to check out in Seward. So definitely plan several days there. And so we'll link the place that we stayed and we'll link as many of these things as we can for you. So then 
going on from Seward, we traveled next to... So we moved away from coastal Alaska and went into the interior, and we did a stop in a little town called Talkeetna on the way and stayed, I think I mentioned before, the, at the cabins there that we stayed at. We had a really short stop over here, so we mostly just ate, It's <laughs> what I remember. <laughs> so we went to the Denali Brewing Company and we had beer there. We also were able to get some local cider. Several of us really love cider. So that was memorable. And they had, we got really lucky and they, the food truck was about to close, but we um, got to order some food before they headed off. So that's what we did for dinner that night. It and was a taco truck. Yes. To Just to yes. point that out. We had tacos. There's and- always a theme. Why are we always missing dinner? Yes, Scott and I, we got lucky. We just got very lucky because I'm really not sure what we would have done <laughs> if we didn't have. We we often that. joke with one another that we were meant to be living in Spain or somewhere like that, I think, because um, everywhere else we go, we're just getting around to dinner. It's so late that everything's closing um, on us. And so... Uh, I think it's because we pack so much into our days when we travel. So the next meal, which was the next morning, is one that I think when we talk about this trip, it's the one that everybody remembers. Big pancakes. (laughs) So we went to the Talkeetna Roadhouse for breakfast, and they had amazing breakfast that, yeah, we definitely highly recommend, and we all remembered it. Um, and this was a really cute little small town. I mean, it was maybe very cute. two or three blocks, you know, in in length and on, um, you know, Main Street. So like little stores and stuff like that on each side. But uh, very cute little town to visit. And it's also a stop. We mentioned the Alaska Railway earlier. It's also a stop if you're going to Denali by train. It's a stop in the Alaska Railway itinerary as well. It looks like it could be a movie set almost. I mean, it looked like almost, you imagine like a Wild West town is what it reminded me of. General store and the place that we ate was also a little inn. So you could have could have stayed there. We stayed at some cabins nearby, but. Yeah, they had some rooms upstairs mm-hmm. uh, where you could have stayed. And while everybody was eating breakfast, I snuck out and went to, I did a shopping adventure to the Susitna Salmon Art Center. And very randomly, one of my friends had done a similar trip a year or two earlier and had gotten me these earrings that I loved, but I lost them or thought I lost them. So I had to go and get a replacement. I got her to give me all the information. So I went and got my replacement earrings. And then Probably like a year later, I actually found the one she gave me. So then I had two pair and I wear those earrings all the time and get so many compliments. And I'm always like, oh, they're from Alaska. And it, But it is a really good reminder of the trip. I love to get earrings as one of my favorite souvenirs to get um, and have people ask about. And so what was and the name of the place again? It was the Susitna Salmon Art Center and all proceeds go towards the preservation of native fish and their habitats. Yeah. So nice. shop and do good to the fish. And so from there, one of the moments I think we had all been excited about and waiting on was going to the National Park. 
So we decided, we talked about earlier, we decided to stay at the end of the road in the national parks. And this is one area where we also had to be flexible. We were really hoping to fly out there. So we had reservations with the Cantitia air taxi that was associated with the Skyline Lodge, but we had to be flexible because if the weather was crappy, we would have had to scrap that and take the bus. But the weather was really good that day. So we we split up into two different planes and flew over the um, mountain range. Um, and that, I think every all of us loved that. It just was a really unique experience to see Denali National Park yeah. from the air. From the- <clears throat> I know that our pilot, he, he kept making a couple of different um, passes. He wanted to see if Denali would peek through the clouds uh, while we were there. Um, in the in the sky um really neat we didn't get to see denali on you know on that trip but well scott and i didn't see denali so the funny thing about for us the funny thing about denali is while we were driving up to the um the airport you know you see this mountain range all the way on the side and you're like is that denali is that denali and people would be like you'll know it when you see it and i was like i'm never gonna know when i see this Later on in the trip, Stephanie and I do a mountain or take the bikes from the lodge up to a campground just to, you know, see a little bit more. And uh, we stopped and it for like five minutes, you could see Denali. And I was like, oh, wow. I I freaked out. I was like, wow. (laughs) And they were right. You know it because it's huge. But there's all these mountain ranges like, oh, you know. And I think especially, you know, we live on the East Coast where we're not used to mountains that are so tall. So anything to us, we're like, well, that could be Denali. So we had a joke that we ended up calling it Finale, fake Denali. Like we saw Finale. Now, did we see Denali? We did end up seeing Denali for five minutes, as Laura said. And this is interesting fact. I don't know that we knew this going into it. There's something called the 30% Club. Only 30% of visitors to Denali National Park actually see Denali because that's how rare it is to see it because it's 20,000 feet up in the clouds. Yeah. That's what I was about to say is, uh, the reason why is because it's usually covered by clouds and, but if you can get up above those clouds, uh, sometimes you can see it. And that's, I think our pilot was trying to do a little bit of that, but, uh, it just wasn't working out, but uh, still it was the gorgeous views Going into Katishna, was that the name of the little airport? Katishna. Mm-hmm. Um and, and Stephanie, you talked about we stayed at the end of the road. What what does that actually mean? We actually went about as far as you can into uh, Denali, right? Exactly. Yeah. So Denali National Park, I think it's about ninety miles long. The road is. And so from our lodge where we stayed, we could walk to the sign that said end of the road. Um, so yeah, it's literally the end of the road. If you want to go any farther, you have to go on foot. Um, so the other way to get there is by bus and then the bus turns around and goes back. So when we arrived at the lodge, we got checked in and then we wanted to go to this sign. I just mentioned the end of the road, um, sign. So we, you know, got our shoes on, headed out of the lodge get to the sign and we are swarmed by the biggest mosquitoes any of us have ever seen. And we were dancing around trying to 
get these mosquitoes off of us. So that was one thing that was pretty funny that we were not prepared for. Um, and we get, we got back to the lodge and realized that they had all this mosquito gear, like this netting you put over your head. I don't even know the official name for it, but that made us laugh really hard that we just left the lodge, had no clue whatsoever. Because we're all from Georgia. So we're just like, okay, mosquitoes, we're used to mosquitoes. And you think, I'm going to Alaska. I mean, there's no way there are mosquitoes there. Well, because you you talk about in, in Georgia, you say, oh, if you had a really cold winter, the bugs aren't going to be as bad um, come spring and summer. And that's just one of the things that you count on. And so you would think in your mind, well, you got all this snow and ice and stuff on the ground in Alaska, so obviously there's going to be no bugs. But what it does is it creates a marshland, and those mosquitoes just thrive in that marshland as that permafrost, uh, you know, thaws, and the grounds get wet, and then those mosquitoes just, uh, like Stephanie said, they will swarm you, and some of them were probably as big as birds. <laughs> or they felt that way they anyway. Like, they felt like that. <laughs> and even the mosquitoes were worse at the end of the road where we stayed versus the entrance to Denali. Um, so that's something to note. If you're not even going all the way in, you won't have that experience. But we learned our lesson. And then the next hike that we took, we all geared up and we have funny pictures of all of us in our mosquito nets, but you really needed it. So you had, you needed your mosquito net and bear spray, which the lodge provided that as well. Um, so that you were prepared for all types of wildlife encounters. And so we've also learned is that from there, the further in the summer, the further you go toward the Arctic circle, the mosquitoes get actually worse. So just one thing to note. And the other thing about, we wanted to make sure when planning this, that we wanted to plan to fly in because if you plan to take the bus in and then fly out, that's really your only opportunity to take that flight. And then if you can't do that one, then you wouldn't get to do that all at all. Correct. So right. mm-hmm. like, so for example, we, um, if we had not been able to flown in and had taken the bus, then we could have at least tried to take it out. So we had like two chances, but if you take the bus in and then plan to do that. So that might just be something that people are need to be aware of just because the weather is so variable. But the bus also offered us an opportunity to see a whole different set of scenery and wildlife and things like that that we didn't see as we were flying in on the little small planes. Yeah, I would definitely say do the the bus tour at least one way because you do get to see more of the park in a different way. So on the way back after we stayed at the Skyline Lodge, going back to the park entrance I think the highlight, of course, everybody wants to see bears in Alaska. So we saw a grizzly mama and her two cubs. And they, so the bus that you're on is actually an old school bus, which was kind of funny. But they stopped the bus. We let the windows down. We were taking pictures outside, um, you know, out of the bus while safely inside the bus. Uh, And one tip there, Ed actually rented a camera because we didn't have a, a really nice camera at the at that time, or just, you know, to keep up with the technology. Um, and so he got some really good pictures of of the wildlife during the trip, the grizzly bears, the bald eagles. So if you don't have a camera, but you know you're doing a trip specifically for wildlife viewing, that's something you could consider doing. 
That's a great tip. That is a good tip. I mean, we talk about taking your camera a lot uh, on our episodes because I love photography, but, um, you know, renting one is, is a really good option for a lot of people rather than investing the, you know, five to $10,000 these days uh, for a good quality camera. And so we should also point out, why did we ride this bus? Because they don't let you drive. Yes. Into, like, I don't right? know why. <laughs> so you can't drive. So it's not we an option. To, we were to, right? So, it, yes. so even though, like, it wasn't like because, oh, we flew in, so now we've got to take this bus out. Yes. You can only go so far into so the park. A lot so. of national parks, it's become more common, even I think during COVID, um, a lot of national parks limit the number of visitors. And one of the ways they can do that is by not letting people drive their own cars. And Denali is one of those. It's just such a popular park um, that they they only let you bus in, which was kind of nice, honestly. Yeah, then It really protects the wildlife mm-hmm. and, the, and the scenery and stuff like that by not having a bunch of cars inside there. And so I assume we had a reservation. I we guess, did have a reservation on the bus. Well. But yes. There yes. is a certain length though, because I remember there was at one point there were cars. And and matter of fact, we took our car even and went into the park. That's Um, true. I think, yeah, I can't remember what the marker was. Maybe one of the visitor centers like midway. But yeah, I think you can, but if you want to go past a certain point, you have to ride the bus. Because after we got back out, we got the car and we drove back in and I remember that's where we saw some additional dog sledding mm-hmm. demonstrations and stuff like that. We did our shopping for souvenirs at yeah, the visitor the, center. But I mean, if you didn't have the time uh, to go and spend several days inside the the park, you definitely should do that part and and drive into that visitor center um, because just even along the way, I mean, beautiful. Sceneries, beautiful opportunities to try to see Denali um, right there. And so I would recommend that if you if you couldn't go and spend several days inside the park. And we did a hike, too. We did another hike there. And if you had taken the train, they have some shuttles as well to take you a little ways into the park. And we also did, I had a, a friend who was a um, ranger at Denali at that time and was stationed at Wonder Lake Campground that we mountain biked to. But one night, I think all of us rode the bus and went to one of the programs that he was doing at Wonder Lake Campground. And, you know, we grew up going to national parks and doing like junior ranger and camping. So that was just kind of a fun thing to do, but especially fun because I knew the ranger as well. Well, and actually, I think one of the guys, um, the owners at the Skyline Lodge, they thought it was just so cool, though, that you knew somebody that I think he actually loaded us up in the van. Oh, that's right. He took us. Okay. Yeah, you're right. We did. I was like, I don't remember yeah. how we got there. Yeah. That's how we got there. Because yeah. I think he just thought, oh, well, this is really cool that you know somebody. And he actually took us over there to to hear the his talk and let you see him. So, so I think we hit on all the... Denali in the park highlights. I think the only other thing is just now let's this what we did after that and then how we got back to Anchorage and just the last little bit. So, okay. So once we finished Denali National Park, we had one more night outside the park and we visited the 49th State Brewing Company in Healy 
And this was literally our cousin Vanessa's 49th state. So that was really fun. We have a lot of pictures of her with the sign and holding a, a um, glass that says 49th state. But also I wanted to go there because I'm a big fan of the Into the Wild book and movie and the movie prop, the magic bus from the Into the Wild movie was there and inside the bus was movie memorabilia. And that's a good that's a good book to read, though very depressing, as a preparation for your Alaska trip. And then the before we headed out to Anchorage, we had breakfast at the Creekside Cafe. They had cinnamon buns that were huge. Um, and then we drove back to Anchorage. We did one final stop and we're hoping to see Denali Peak one last time, but we did not. So in Anchorage, we of course have a food recommendation, if nothing else. And we actually, Ed, Laura, and I actually ate here twice. We liked it so much, we took y'all back to the Moose Tooth Pizza. So that had really good pizza and also local beers on tap. So that was kind of our final stop. And then we went to the airport and flew home. And I think for most of the time, it's a red eye back from Alaska. Is that is that I typically so. true? Back to the East, East Coast, Coast, probably. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so Laura, what would you say was your most memorable thing from Alaska? I think at the end of the road, the place we stayed at the end of the road in Denali, the, like you mentioned, the sunset rainbow, it was just gorgeous. And it was the middle of the night. So it was just a unique experience as a whole. I don't know. It's just, we did so many unique things, but I think that was just something I will always remember. That and mosquitoes the size of small birds. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, do you have one of the most uh, memorable thing for you? I think just all of us being together and getting to celebrate Laura was just really fun. And, you know, it's just a unique thing. I don't know that we'll all, the seven of us, will do a trip like that again, right? Now we're at different phases of life. So I think just having all those memories is really special. So with every episode, um, especially destination episodes that we do, one of the questions that we want to know is, What does someone need to pack on a trip to Alaska? So I think we've talked about it a lot, that rain gear is a must. But don't worry too much because you can buy it if you don't have the proper rain gear or if you need more while you're there. Yeah, and we're not talking about the 97-cent poncho from Walmart (laughs) here. You need some serious rain gear. Yeah, boots, I think, are also on my list. And just lots of layers because as... Scott mentioned earlier, sometimes we were sh- kind of hot in short sleeves, and but then we were very cold a lot. So jackets, you know, long sleeves. And then one of my biggest tips actually for packing is we did laundry. There was a laundromat in Seward. So, you know, maybe not like the most fun vacation thing, like doing laundry, um, but we did laundry halfway through the trip and that really cut down on what we needed to pack. Um as someone who flies standby a lot, we really try to pack in just a carry-on. And so that's hard to do in a cooler weather location. So doing laundry halfway through the trip really helped um, us to be able to, you know, not pack a lot of stuff. And sometimes, too, you can find places that are like wash and fold 
Mm -hmm. So if you can find that you and you had an activity, you could drop it off. I remember taking a lot of like the hiking type pants, things that you could wear more than once. And then like Stephanie mentioned layers and um, having like a warm fleece jacket that I could wear and lots of socks. I think one of the things that we had to wash for too, because a lot of things probably got wet just from the rain as well. And I had like a beanie cap as well, just from the cold, beanie clapping gloves that you could just kind of keep handy. And we talked about this uh, in our episode on Antarctica, but wool is something that is really good for these climates because uh, especially if you have a good quality wool, like a merino wool or something like that, it wicks that moisture away from your, away from your body and it keeps your, keeps you dry. And so that helps with the the dampness and the coldness um, filling right up next to your body as well. And then Stephanie, you brought uh, blackout shades because of the it's yes. so, it's light so long. So you you know we that had was tr- one priority for, mm-hmm. for y'all that in order to get good sleep we yeah we had we bought, we bought a I think we even shade. bought them for that specific trip and that so we had also been to Iceland the year prior and. Ed in particular really struggled with sleep on that trip because it was light so much. So I think that might have been in response to that trip as well that that we packed those. And so those blackout curtains, that was something I think he had just ordered off of Amazon for the And you know, a lot of people like myself, I always travel with an eye mask, but Ed just rips his off. So that was part of the reason we got that for him too. And so that's a good point because it never really got dark there. It was, we mentioned like at 1215, we saw the rainbow, et cetera. And so it really just got like past dusk and then it just transitioned almost into dawn. And so it's not super dark. So that's a, that's a good um, suggestion that I had really forgotten about for people. So one of the things when we have guests on the show that we like to know is what are your top three most memorable places that you've ever visited? So I think my answer probably changes depending on my, the day, just my mood. But I, some of the memorable ones I mentioned earlier, Iceland. Uh, Ed and I really loved Iceland. And, you know, it's definitely had its moment. I think it's sort of Iceland is on everyone's list nowadays, but it, there's definitely a reason for that. And then for us doing safari in South Africa was amazing. Another like wildlife trip. Something that surprised me on that trip was Cape Town. We added that to our itinerary and I really loved Cape Town. And then I mentioned Thailand earlier. Thailand will always hold a special place in my heart because I studied abroad there for six months and it's just such a beautiful country and amazing people. How about you, Laura? Um, what, when, I think one of my second overseas trip was to Croatia, which I had a friend from college who was over there. And um, that was just, the, every, the culture is just really beautiful. The food's wonderful. Um, and then later on, I did like a month in Europe so that was really fun because it was a month of, you know, England, France, Switzerland, um, a great experience. There's too many memories there. There's a lot of memories for that one. And then I, I love England a lot. I think I've been like three times. So I really like England and all it has to offer. It's the same with us. Uh, I think that's our longest episode so far is on London, just on London. We didn't even get outside of London. So, Laura, what is next on your bucket list? I've I've wanted to go to Costa Rica for a while, um, and now I have a, a a small 
son. It's so it, travel is a little bit more difficult. Um, my first travel with him, big travel with was Hawaii, and I made it. But I would do a few things different. But it would probably have to be now. I'm having to look for more kid friendly travel. It's not going to be as adventure seeking. It's going to be more. What can I do with a child? <laughs> but I think Costa Rica would be a great place to go. Yeah. Costa Rica, you wouldn't have much of a time change difference. Yeah. And then um, as short he gets flight. A short flight and as he gets a little bit older, there's a lot of kid-friendly activities there. So I think Costa Rica would definitely be a, yeah. a good place. Try to sp- practice some Spanish. Definitely help with your Spanish Im- immersion. So All right, have, Stephanie, how many places are I have a really hard on, time with this question. How many places because, are on Stephanie's bucket because, list? Yeah, I have a, or I had before Leo deleted it, I had a list on my phone of all the places I want to go, but they're still in my head. So I think Antarctica is top of my list, uh, just like it is for y'all, because and one of the one of the reasons for me is I've been to six continents, so that would be my seventh. I've wanted to go to Norway for a while. So Norway is top of my list. And then, again, I love Asia. So I'd really like to go to Bhutan. And that's a place that you really have to go with a tour because it's pretty closed off. But it just sounds so interesting to me. Well, I just want to say thank you for helping us um, with this episode and just reminiscing with us. And then, of course, planning the trip before we went and inviting us to go along and just share in that experience with you guys and then having the memories as well. What a great trip and so many memories. We still want to go back and do a cruise, which is on my dad's bucket list as well. This would allow us to see other parts of Alaska. I've had so much fun looking at the pictures and videos and laughing and remembering some things that one or more of us forgot. So be sure to check out our Instagram and I'll put an Alaska highlight there where I'll be sharing more of these to help you inspire your trip to Alaska. You can find us at Sunshine Travelers Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. The itinerary we talked about on this episode is perfect if you are someone that can't or don't want to take a cruise or maybe you've done an Alaska cruise and want to see a little more of the interior. Either way, just get out and explore. If you've been to Alaska and have other favorite places and activities, drop us a note or leave a comment. We love hearing from you and are inspired by your stories. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll find some inspiration for your next trip. Most importantly, follow our podcast, leave us a review, and share it with your friends to help them catch the travel bug. You never know, they may become your greatest travel companions.